You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Well, welcome one and all to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. I'm your host, James Edwards, along with Keith Alexander. This Saturday evening, November the 11th, we had our last remote broadcast of the year last weekend. What a fun show that was. Back in the studio tonight with none other than our dear friend Nick Griffin, our favorite former member of the European Parliament, as he always does when he's on the program, staying up late, burning that midnight oil in the U.K. as we continue our comprehensive coverage of the unrest in the Middle East. It has certainly dominated our program over the course of the last month and change. And to offer his insights and opinions from his perch in our ancestral homelands, uh, we welcome back now to the program former MEP Nick Griffin. Nick, how are you tonight? Fine. Thank you, James. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Always is, my friend. Always is to have you. So, uh, from your perspective over there across the pond, how are things looking when you look down on Israel and Gaza? And how, what is the European take on these things? Perhaps uh, What does the man in the street say about it? Yeah. Um, the man in the streets, uh, most of them are appalled by the violence. They think that both sides are equally to blame. Uh, initially, they thought that uh, you know, Hamas were the worst thing since bad, cheap, white, white sliced bread. Uh, and now they think that the um, the Israelis are going overboard and it's all wrong and we shouldn't really have anything to do with this. Uh, then in the, 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 the more political people, uh, overwhelmingly on the left, there's huge sympathy for uh, the Palestinians, which is becoming increasingly awake, not woke, awake as to the fact that there's you know, bigger and longer term things behind this. Uh, and they're understanding that, you know, yes, it's Zionism it isn't just a political thing. There's a, a religious and racial hatred against other peoples there as well. Uh, on the right, it's divided between people such as myself uh, and the, uh, the, the, the beer drinking, football loving, patriotic morons uh, who are saying, oh, the more these uh, ragheads that the, the, the Jews kill, the better. You know, isn't it all wonderful? But um, I don't know how the numbers are, but certainly in terms of uh, the the thinking people on so online and so on, the majority, I would say, uh, understand that uh, Israel is not uh, the innocent party in this by any means. Uh, and but on the other hand, of course, we got every single one of the uh, people who've been who are on the Zionist pay, payroll. Every single one of them has been rolled out. It's very interesting to see people who've apparently been saying exactly the same as we have for all good reasons for the last three or four years and they've been built up by the sort of the semi-alternative media as really big fish and important and decent people and all of a sudden they're now being expo exposed just as Zionist shells so it's a, a mixed bag in terms of what the man on the street is thinking the final thing before I hand back to you I'd say that I'm astounded it's another one that we're, we're very fortunate I think 
um, James and Keith to be the generation who are seeing these fantastic, incredible historic changes in such a short space of time on thing after thing. You know, COVID, you know, as, as just one example, you know, now this. And I would say that October 2023 is going to go down in history as the month in which the Israeli copyright and the Jewish copyright on the words genocide and Holocaust expired. Amen. Hey, that's a profound uh, remark right there, Nick. Keith? Well, it sounds better than what's happening over here. The Republicans all depend on Jewish money to get elected, mm-hmm. like our, <laughs> our new Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. His largest contributor to his last election campaign was APAC, American-Israeli yep. Political Action Committee. And it's everywhere. There. So it's really depressing if you're a person of a conservative turn of mind in America to listen to the Republican debates, because, I mean, they're just all totally in the tank for Israel. On the other hand, the liberals, who Democrats, who basically were the nesting grounds for Jewish power and influence in America, the Jews among them are kind of, that, that they, they are appalled. But what has happened is they've been bitten by, they've been hoisted on their own petard, as uh, Shakespeare said, because they've brought in all of these Muslim refugees to America, you know, displaced by those wars that were created by the Clean Break Memorandum of Paul Wolfowitz to change uh, the leadership of all the Arab nations around Israel. Well, those people have come here, and they're hopping mad. They're the ones that are... uh, you know, they've been beneficiaries of affirmative action to the selective colleges and universities like Harvard and Yale and whatnot, and that's why you're getting all of that, uh, those demonstrations there. And the, the the Democrats just don't know what to do because, you know, they have a – if they lost the support of all of those, their coalition of the fringes, those other minorities, uh, they couldn't win an election except – you know, I don't want to be naive. I think they basically haven't won an election in a long time. They've just, they've just perfected <laughs> but, right, so to, to Keith's point, uh, all of the diversity has certainly sort of muddied the waters of what would normally happen in a situation like this, which would be both sides of the duopoly in Washington would be totally in the tank for Israel. But you're seeing a lot of pushback, not just on the streets, but in the global media as well, if, if not here. Yeah, it's the same, very much the same in Britain in the mainstream. You've got the the Labour Party, in effect, your Democrats uh, are tearing themselves apart over this with uh, the MPs whose seats most rely on, especially the Pakistani vote, uh, uh, breaking ranks and saying we've got to condemn Israel. Uh, And the uh, completely, well, Keir Starmer, the Labour Party leader, he's married to a Jewish lady. Uh, and so he's in the bag anyway, and he wants the media on his side. Uh, the Conservatives, of course, are bought and paid for with the same people and are in government. Uh, and I haven't really heard of one Tory who's rocking the boat on this. Their problem's rather different in that Rishi Sunak, our Indian Prime Minister, not elected by the British people, he was elected by uh, a minority of the Conservative Party membership, about 200,000 people, uh, and he's got uh, another Indian, Soela Braverman, uh, who wants his job, uh, and she happens also to be married to a, a staunch Zionist who's got fa- family members in the so-called Israeli Defence Force, uh, and she's rocking the boat and winding things up. She referred to the pro-Gaza peace march, uh, which we had in London uh, today, 
something probably not half a million people on it lots of lots of brits included but lots and lots of um ethnic minorities she referred to that in advance as a hate march and was pressing the uh, the uh, the police constable the police chief of london to ban it so she's gone out on a limb in the hope that there'd be a huge riot uh, and then she'd be vindicated she'd get the job yeah, that's what we call so over all, here what well, over here yeah. well, what, that's what we call over here nick the uh the jewish exception to the first amendment okay <laughs> <laughs> yes you can't, yes indeed you, so you know. it, 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 just to sum that up they're they're all squabbling over it it looks extremely indecent and it's drawing the public's attention to the fact that there's something deeply wrong here and they're not being told the truth i can tell you from my, my twitter feed has gone mad in the, the last 10 yes, days especially yes, yes. and I, i've got i've got so many uh muslims of from various backgrounds uh saying well I'm absolutely stunned here because Nick Griffin's the only person in British politics who's talking sense. <laughs> well, and you've seen that. But well, this actually brings me to another question. I'm glad you said that. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, check out the most recent uh, edition of the American Free Press. Check my column, which appears in each edition. It's a Q&A with the very man we're speaking with right now live on the radio, Nick Griffin, and it was fantastic. The editors liked it so much they uh, previewed it on the front cover, and uh, you'll find that uh, in this uh, most recent edition. It's a perfect complement to the spoken uh, interview we're having right now. But, yeah, so back to the situation with, uh, you know, where should we be? Because you look back at the uh, a little more than a month ago, and the – Republicans here in the United States were ousting the House Speaker Mike McCarthy purportedly over the fact that he wanted to fund the war in Ukraine. So they went from anti-war in about a nanosecond to being the most <laughs> hawkish uh, group of people they could as soon as the Israel lobby pulled that leash a little bit. And you've got now Mike Johnson as the House Speaker, this sort of no-name uh, low-profile Republican from Louisiana. Christian fundamentalist, Zionist type of guy. You He's know. got a black kid, yep. you know, all of that. But uh, House Republicans voted to stand with Israel no matter the cost, spent $14.3 uh, billion dollars, uh, to send to Israel to fight anti-Semitism, so-called. That's just basically disagreement with a, with a Jewish person on college campuses, authorize a war with Iran. You had Representative Brian Mast a Republican from Florida show up to work in Congress wearing an IDF uniform. So it's like all Israel all the wow. time on the floor of Congress for a month now. And that brings the question, because, I mean, obviously we know the problems of Jewish power and influence on our societies, but that doesn't mean necessarily that the other side, we've talked about this, I think, every show in the last month, that the, you know, uh, longstanding enemies of, of Western culture, the Muslims or our friends either. Where should white Christians be standing right now? It's a, it's a difficult thing. Yeah, but you I'd do say have, totally on the sidelines. Well, you do have some sympathy, though. If you have any humanity, I said this last week, you've got to have some sympathy for some of these videos you're seeing of this indiscriminate bombing of these Palestinian kids. But, yeah. I mean, where, where should we be standing, Nick? Well, my position as a British nationalist and American nationalist should take the same position is that we should keep our countries out of foreign wars. Yeah, Britain should fight for Britain, Britain's only, for Britain only. Americans should only fight for direct American interests. That's the first thing. Where that connects also with humanity, that's a very good thing. It makes being a nationalist easier. And here it clearly connects with humanity because even if all the stories of what Hamas did on the 7th of October were, were true, and they are not, but even if they were, it would not justify now the scale of retribution that they're 
uh, inflicting on the people, the civilians of Gaza, and the most basic understanding of the just war theory, from, which is from the heart of Christianity, medieval Christianity really, is that this is not a just war. But on top of that, we've also got our own interests. It's not in our interest that the Middle East uh, should be torn apart still further so that we end up with millions more very angry Muslim refugees coming to our countries, which of course is the, the Netanyahu regime's aim, is to throw out not just the Gazans, you know, their, their Eretz Israel map stretches from the Nile to the Euphrates and up, including most of Syria, all of Lebanon, and down to half of Saudi Arabia. And they believe they're entitled to the whole lot because of their covenant with God, which of course they broke. You know, that covenant I'm sure, well, all your Christian listeners, I hope, will know that there was that covenant once. It doesn't exist, partly because most of them are Khazars, uh, and even uh, even the others, they're the ones who crucified Christ. They're the ones who said, his blood be upon us and our children. They rejected him. They broke yeah, the covenant. See, see that, they are, they they are the, no longer uh, the chosen there. people of God. We, The, the, the Christian Amen. church, we are the chosen people of God, and that's it. They're the people who crucified Christ. That's that's an end of it. So, but coming back to our, our self-interest, it also isn't in ge geopolitically. We're moving. The world is moving from a unipolar world where the United States and its client regimes, like the UK and Germany and so on, dominated the entire world, and that's going. And especially Southern Americans should thank God for that. Uh, but so that that's that's going, and we're going to have a multipolar world, which will have different rivalries and you near know, jostlings and so on. And there's going to be various polls. There's going to be the Russian poll, the Chinese poll. America will still be a serious nation. But once it stops trying to be the, the policeman of the world, it'll be a better nation, I think. That's by the by. But there's also going to be an Islamic poll. And what this war is doing is actually, and that's not necessarily good for the West, but this war is actually managing to push the Sunni and the Shia together. And the Shia are actually our natural allies. And the Sunnis will, we can have problems with them. But pushing them together is another piece of insanity. So if this war was to stop, or if we, the more white people, the more Christians take the right side, the more chance there is that those two parts of Islam will stay separate. And in a multipolar world looking to the future, it's that bit better for us if the Muslims are not completely united. For all these reasons, there's no doubt about it, that Christians should be on the side of the Palestinians. That's not to say on the side of Hamas. Hamas, of course, was basically created, funded and encouraged by the Netanyahu regime as a way of splitting up the, uh, the Palestinians. Hamas was used by uh, Israel alongside ISIS and Al-Qaeda against the, the Syrians, not just that many years ago, with the help, incidentally, of Barack Obama. So um, these people, you don't have to support Hamas, but just because Hamas is at present the front line of this doesn't mean we've got to support Israel because Israel helped set them up in the first place. Well, had, had it not been for Winston Churchill, we could have stayed gloriously isolationist as, what, as God intended us to do. We're protected by two large moats called the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, yes. and we have enough natural resources here where we can be uh, totally self-sufficient without having to depend on anyone else. Of course, yeah, we didn't even need that. The Atlantic, the English Channel was enough for uh, uh, <laughs> Churchill. Of course, uh, well, you know, Chur Chur Churchill would be very disappointed with our conversation on this. But <laughs> well, now, anyway, but no, Nick, I want to tell you, I think you gave one of the best 
assessments in the last five minutes that I've heard yet on this. And uh, again, that's why we certainly wanted to have you on. Check out his X or Twitter if you still prefer. Uh, at Nick Griffin BU, if I am, am I getting that right? Because I'm banned from there, but I believe you are. Right. Yeah, it's st- still originally for British Unity because someone else had Nick Griffin, so it's Nick Griffin BU. You're absolutely right. I'm also on Telegram, <laughs> okay. just at so, t.me forward slash Nick Griffin. All right, so uh, here's another thing, and uh, we're skipping the floater breaks. Uh, we're going to take the bottom of the hour break, but we want to take advantage of every minute we have with Nick tonight because this is such, just such a global affair that affects all of us. Uh, in, in interconnected ways. Uh, let me ask you this. This was something that we have talked about here uh, in recent shows covering this topic, but uh, the difference in the stand with Israel based upon age groups. And here in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, in a most recent uh, CNN poll, 81% of Americans aged 65 and older 81% stand with Israel. 27% of Americans aged 18 to 34 stand with Israel. So over 65, 81%. 18 to 34, mm-hmm. 27%. And that 27% would be uh, the, the group that would be doing any sort of fighting if it ever gets to that point. What yeah. do you make of those numbers? That is stark, and that doesn't bode well for Israel going forward as far as American support is going to be concerned. Well, the the numbers are stark, and it's good news. They're very similar in proportion to Britain. Uh, The number of boomers who are in favour of Israel is, I don't know the exact figures, but I know it's less than the case in America. And the number of young people who are in favour of Palestine is that bit higher. That doesn't necessarily reflect very well, I'm sad to say, on the indigenous Brits. It's probably because of the fact that we've got far more Muslims than we than you have, and most of them are young. That's right. But nevertheless, you know, they've got the vote. The, all the political establishment have brought them in, and they said they're as British as us as we are. So they can't re- to now turn around and say, well, yeah, you were completely British before, and you remain British when it comes to paying taxes, but we're not going to take any notice of you over our foreign affairs policies. Yeah, that, that's not going to fly, is it? So they're in <laughs> here, here and in the States, they're in big, big trouble. Of course... While that's good, I'm sure you and again, most of your listeners understand that in a so-called democracy, the numbers of voters don't really count very much. It's who controls the media. And um, well, our media is not owned by Palestinians. We just put it that way. (laughs) Well, I do want to ask you about that, too, though. Well, and one interesting thing talking about the and Keith mentioned this earlier, and you can't have this conversation without mentioning it, is that all of the bomb the world, invite the world thing is sort of those chickens have sort of come home to roost now because you've got a lot of unrest here because you don't have uh, a white Christian majority anymore uh, that are that are running things. And especially of the dispensationalist Christian uh, Zionist. Mm -hmm. That's something you don't have over in England. You don't have these Christian fundamentalists that believe that he who blesses Israel is blessed and he who curses. No, there are are some, but there are some they have no political power. Uh, but but there's still a general sort of feeling amongst ignorant conservative <laughs> uh, Brits that yeah Israel you know they're the good guys. It goes back to the Cold War. And, you know the, the Israelis were on our side and all the all the God Arabs were communists. It goes back as far as that. If you go back to an earlier well, British generation, still just about around, you under, you get people who understand. Wait a minute, it's not Arabs who killed British servicemen in the hundreds in the late 1940s. It was Palestinian. It was uh, it was Jewish terrorists. 
So there was a little bit more of that it in Britain. And we are blessed father. not to have these crazy Christian Zionists. Well, it's the thing I would ask them is, how did Christians and Christianity, how did the faith ever make it until 1948 when we had Israel to worship uh, more than God? Which is, uh, uh, that, that's... Um, Anyway, yes, what you were de describing earlier about uh, Jews originally being the chosen people and then it became Christians, that's what is typically known as replacement theology. And that yeah, was the orthodox teaching of the Christian church exactly. for at least yep, 19 exactly. centuries since yep. the uh, creation of Christianity. Exactly. It's not any bit of replacement theology. It's, it's, it's Christianity. That the end of it it's the christian zionist thing which is a a very recent in historical terms heresy and of course it's been had money poured into it the one thing you can say about the uh, the jews uh, the jews in general and the zionists in particular is that they do put their money where their mouth is and they do think ahead and they've been pushing the christian zionist thing for well showfield bible onwards uh, and just as in recent years, they've set they set John about Nelson putting people. John Nelson Darby originally. John Nelson Darby, that's the one. Yeah, and then more recently, they've got all these um, Ben Shapiro types. We've got the same types in Britain who they've been pushing relentlessly to try to make them leaders of conservative opinion, just so that when the time came, and the time is when they want the war with Iran, they flip the switch, and these people who silly daft innocent good-hearted americans and brits have think they're speaking for them well if if ben says that if tommy robinson says that it must be true bah. <laughs> well, jump over the cliff with the rest of the lemon i i, I want to talk uh, I, I, it's something you said in the in, the, in seconds ago we're going to cover when we come back from the bottom of the hour break another 30 minutes with nick griffin but apparently right now at least uh, no place in the Republican Party here in America for anyone who objects to plunging into a huge new war with uh, in the Middle East for the sake of Israel. You know, they banned, uh, they censured one of the Muslim Democratic congresspersons just because she didn't want her people exterminated. We don't really, you know, have a lot of sympathy for the Muslim fight, but we care even less for the puppets of APAC. And I do care about little kids being blown up. We'll be right back. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. A Texas police officer was killed in a shooting that also left a shooter dead and another officer wounded. Two additional individuals were found dead inside a home in Austin. The incident began when officers were called to the home shortly before 3 a.m. Saturday by a woman screaming that she was being stabbed. When officers attempted to enter the home, they faced gunfire, leading to a SWAT team intervention, resulting in the death of the suspect and the injury of one officer. So far, no names have been released. The possibility of another U.S. government shutdown is looming. Congress is required to pass funding legislation by November 17th, but newly elected House Speaker Mike Johnson has not yet outlined his strategy for a short-term spending plan to prevent a shutdown. The situation poses a significant challenge for Johnson, given that his predecessor, Kevin McCarthy, was ousted by conservatives for depending on Democratic votes to pass a funding bill in September. Meanwhile, in the Senate, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has initiated steps to enable his chamber to proceed with its own short-term spending bill. I'm John Schaefer. President Biden is scheduled to hold a meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in San Francisco next week. This encounter is set to take place on the sidelines of a CEO summit during which Xi is anticipated to address prominent American business executives. Xi will be speaking to business leaders during a period of heightened tension in the U.S.-China relations. 
Additionally, China's increasingly stringent restrictions on Western companies impacting their business operations have led these firms to reassess their investments in China. Uncle Sam still wants you, and you can be a bit older. Now's your chance to join the Air Force or Space Force. Both branches of the military are raising the maximum age applicants can enlist to 42, a bump up of three years from the previous age of 39. Most branches of the U.S. military are having trouble recruiting, with all but the Marines missing their recruiting goals last year. I'm Corey Myers. This is USA News. President Biden recently released a massive $6 trillion budget, the largest budget in U.S. history. And guess who pays the bill? That's right, you, the American taxpayer. American citizens and business owners will be paying more taxes. That's a fact. And if you owe back taxes, they will be coming after you to collect payments. In fact, President Biden also hired thousands more IRS agents to go after you. If you got a letter from the IRS and you know you owe back taxes or you haven't filed in years, don't put your head in the sand. Call us today. We've saved our customers millions of tax dollars. One quick, free phone call will show you how we can reduce your past tax bill and save you thousands. Guaranteed, or you pay nothing. Call now. 800-511-6046. That's 800-511-6046. Back with the one and only Nick Griffin. I will say again, if you are a subscriber to the American Free Press, check out the most recent issue. Uh, it has a one-on-one Q&A with Nick about a wide variety of topics, including this one. And I'm actually going to go to the website here in real time here, AmericanFreePress.net. And it's loading. It's still loading. <laughs> yes, right there at the homepage of AmericanFreePress.net, famed Brit nationalist speaks with AFP. That is for subscribers only. Uh, but if you do subscribe, you can read it online as well. And a lot of good stuff there. Really enjoyed that. Philip DeWinner is going to be uh, the next uh, featured guest in our Q&A there for AFP. And uh, we've already got that one in the bag as well. So I'll tell you what, uh, from one uh, great European leader for our people to the next, uh, we continue on with Nick Griffin right now. And, Nick, uh, let's talk about this. So you said uh, before that what happened back in October uh, is not uh, everything. Everything wasn't as it seems. Paul Craig Roberts, who has uh, been on this program several times, uh, he is the former Secretary of the Treasury here during the Reagan administration back in the 80s, uh, but also a uh, professor at many renowned universities and uh, totally with it on our issues. We talked to Paul Craig Roberts earlier this year, but his uh, one of his most recent uh, columns at Paul Craig Roberts uh, at his website is the Israeli-Hamas conflict, a continuation of the 9-11 plot. And basically what he's saying is whether 9-11 happened as it was told or whether it was orchestrated, no matter how you slice it, it was allowed to happen. And he said it was allowed to happen because it could get the, the neocons, who had complete control of the Bush administration, could use that as the pretext to get into a wider war in the Middle East to take out mm-hmm. Europe's, uh, excuse me, uh, Israel's opponents. And he's saying what's happened here is... Uh, essentially the same thing. So uh, what he's calling a 9-11 there in uh, Israel a few days ago, 
uh, was the fact that the alleged perpetrators were able to penetrate Israel by air, land, and sea simultaneously <laughs> in spite of Israel's advanced surveillance systems and greatly advanced weaponry. And the Air Force these people were coming in on, Nick, as you know, they basically put like a, a motor in a backpack and, and kind of flew yeah. a, few, a few hundred yards. I mean, this is their Air Force. That all just happened? They all just happened to be able to do that in spite of Israel's advanced technology? I mean, what are we looking at here? Well, I, I, I agree with the analysis that, no, this simply isn't possible. Uh, I think the this I understand why in the States people are talking in terms of 9-11, because people understand that. But actually, the more accurate uh, simile is to go back to Pearl Harbor. And Tyler Kent was uh, telling the uh, uh, Americans that uh, there was an attack coming. Uh, and the American deep state government knew perfectly well what was about to happen. And they left the fleet uh, unawares uh, so that a couple of thousand sailors would get killed and Americans would be so appalled they rushed to war. So we've got the same thing here. And the idea, as you say, that the IDF with their, not just the IDF actually, and the Israeli, the various secret services, Shin Bet, the military uh, intelligence, the Mossad, the, the wider intelligence, not just them, but also remember MI6 in Britain and the CIA, they have listening posts and things all over the world and the idea that none of them saw what was coming when the Egyptians said, well, we saw what was coming and we warned the Israelis. Uh, and it, we, it now turns out that there were journalists embedded with Hamas uh, shortly before the attacks. You know, the idea that they didn't know is ludicrous becomes even more ludicrous when they now when they're saying, oh, we're targeting this hospital because we have intelligence that there's a Hamas cell working underneath it. Well, isn't it strange their intelligence is good enough to know that when they've got to, got to justify uh, killing 600 civilians in a Christian hospital? But it wasn't good enough to spot what was coming. So, of course, they knew what was coming and they let it happen uh, because it was a, 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 a good cause for war. And we're not just talking about the war on, on Gaza and cleansing that. What they really want, of course, you mentioned it, is a war in Iran, a very dangerous war. So they let it happen. It's also interesting, of course, that the kibbutz, the kibbutz which was most hardly hard hit, was an extremely left wing kibbutz, very, very critical of Netanyahu. And remember that a couple of days before this, the Israeli reservists were on strike. There were million strong demonstrations against Netanyahu. Talk about Israel going into civil war against Netanyahu. And now all of a sudden you have this very convenient war and his position is safe. So, of course, it's not a false flag. It was carried out by Hamas, the Islamist resistance movement encouraged by Netanyahu in the first place, carried out by them. Undoubtedly, a significant number of Israelis were killed in pretty unpleasant circumstances. But yeah, again, I, I do this farce doesn't justify what they're doing now. I, I don't want to. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, that gets back to the, the just war and rules of engagement. You don't uh, come back with a disproportionate amount of civilian casualties above and beyond many times what you suffered. But th this was and, and we want uh, I don't want to say waste time, but we're not going to spend time while Nick is on the air reading some of these excerpts from this excellent article by Dr. Roberts. But uh, yeah, I mean, do you suppose, Nick, that I mean, yes, I do believe that Hamas carried out the attack. But do you suppose that there were people that had infiltrated that let them know when the defenses would be down and where? I mean, how could they have known that? I think that's probably likely. It was guided in that in that, in that regard. Uh, but of course, you know, the loss of what is it, 1,700 or 1,200 people? Um, it's not 
much when you're uh, a very sinister, very embattled politician. It's one of those things, and especially as they're probably your opponents. You know, the, uh, the concert which was shot up was of far-left pro-Jewish activists from all over, all over the world there. Every single one of those people would have hated Netanyahu, regarding him as a sort of fascist, so they get killed. Really, would he have been too fussed? I don't think so. And just to look briefly at the actual facts of it, I think the figure now is 1,200 dead. Uh, and they say, oh, 40 beheaded babies. They rode back on that. It was one baby, possibly beheaded, definitely killed. Uh, and uh, what doesn't come out in okay, any how, of how the many Palestinian babies... And, and, how, and how many, Palis- how many Palestinian babies? Are, you know, no, no baby should be killed. But certainly there wasn't a mass gruesome beheading slaughter of, of, uh, of Israeli babies. There was 1,200 people killed, of whom a good third were serving soldiers, of whom many more are armed, in effect, settlers. And the others, you know, people who were blown apart and burned, as they've said, this is what Hamas did. No, they didn't. Hamas had assault rifles and small rocket-propelled grenades. Those injuries were inflicted without a shadow of a doubt, as the Israelis themselves, Haaretz is saying it, even though our media won't tell us about it, that hundreds of those casualties were killed by Israeli soldiers just firing wildly in crossfire, by Israeli artillery, which was called in on the contested kibbutzes, and by Israeli helicopter gunships who just went in and blasted hell out of everything in the area, including fleeing civilians and no doubt uh, Hamas pickup trucks with hostages on them. So it's a horrible slaughter, but it's not a horrible slaughter exclusively by Hamas, who are basically there as guerrillas fighting a sort of, in effect, a a small scale uh, Tet Offensive operation against a massively more powerful and hideously oppressive regime they're entitled they were entitled to self-defense they've been attacked it's just the same as the russians in eastern ukraine they've been attacked for years by this force and they fight back i don't condemn what they don't i don't condone what they did but i certainly am not prepared to condemn it that'd be hypocritical well uh nick this is keith there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that we're seeing, we've seen played it out before. Mm-hmm. For example, the beheaded babies is reminiscent of the Belgian babies being tossed in the air and yep. used for bayonet practice, supposedly Absolutely. by the Huns and whatnot in World War I. Um, I think that the people that actually flew the 9-11 planes into the side of the building, like the Japanese pilots that attacked uh, Pearl Harbor, were not in the know about what was going on, but it was a manipulation and it had the intended purpose of uh, starting a war in both yep. uh, situations. Uh, and there are Jewish fingerprints all over this. All the footprints go back to the Jewish camp. Well, there's again. no propaganda like war propaganda, am I right? <laughs> if you, Absolutely so. If you want to know yep. what the propaganda gets laid on thick, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in a situation like this. Well, that brings me to a question. I mean, uh, could, could this heavy-handed response uh, backfire on Israel? It already has, like I said. Or is it already? I mean, some people are already saying they've lost the narrative. Yeah. Yep. They they've lost their monopoly on uh, and copyright on the Holocaust and on genocide. Uh, A a couple of weeks ago, I started using the hashtag Gaza Genocide, (laughs) and I I, I certainly I hadn't seen it when I was looking. I hadn't seen it before I started using it. It's now trending. So there we go. It's a a a PR catastrophe for them. But of course, what they're in a they're in a bad position. You know, they're they're very close to their great adversary in the Middle East, Iran, being a nuclear power. 
And the reason that countries have nuclear power is not to use their nuclear bombs. It's, as you know, for mutually assured destruction. And Israel has had illegal nuclear weapons for decades, thanks mainly to the USA. Uh, and if the Iranians got it, it so levels the playing field that they couldn't dare to use them. So they're in terrible trouble. Internally, as I say, Netanyahu was facing almost a civil war. Longer term, they've got the demographic problem that they've got millions of oppressed Palestinians clinging on in little ghettos uh, in their area with the right to vote. Not all of them, but some of them have. Uh, so they've got to do something well, drastic. And th this, this is really almost a last roll of the dice and they're going to pay a heavy price for it. And they are, are already doing so in PR terms. We're right, going to take right. a quick break. I hear the music, Keith. I very faintly hear the music, but I do hear it. Well, I was going to ask Nick, think about this. You're going to have to do it at the end of the break. Israeli, break. Is this break, an Israeli thing together, break, or break. is it just a Netanyahu We'll be right thing. back. Think about it. <laughs> oh, you can pipe it up, Liz. Achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. Introducing PrepStartsNow.com, your ultimate guide to readiness and peace of mind. We offer practical preparedness tools, training, and education to take your family's household readiness to the next level. Browse the prep shop for essential products, check out our planning guides, and stay informed with our prep blog. Visit PrepStartsNow.com and subscribe to our emails for exclusive offers, new products, and future events. Remember, preparedness begins with PrepStartsNow.com. Former Sheriff Richard Mack recounts in his book the proper role of law enforcement, how he came to realize while working as a beat cop how wrong the all-too-common orientation of police officers is when they think of their job as being to write tickets and arrest people. Richard Mack tells of his personal transformation from by-the-number cop to constitution-conscious defender of citizen safety and freedoms. Learn what it really means to serve and protect. Purchase your copy at CSPOA.org. That's CSPOA.org. All right, everybody, we are back. One more segment with Nick Griffin. Never enough time with Nick. Uh, Keith, I know you were eager to uh, get a question in there before the break. Let's have it now. Okay, Nick, do you think this is a greater Israeli government uh, operation to end all the talk about the two-state uh, uh, solution and stuff like that by doing away with one of the states and killing all the people? Or was this a Netanyahu special where he was going to uh, deal with his internal opponents politically by getting everybody to rally around the flag. Uh, Interesting question, Keith. Yeah. Well, thinking. certainly, it's not 
all Jews. You've got quite a few on the left and you've got some of the Orthodox sects, uh, the ones who say that uh, it was, you can't re-establish the state of Israel. That's only the Messiah can do that when he comes back. So the state of Israel is blasphemous. We want to be ruled by Palestinians. Um, so uh, you've got those people. But overall, the, the drivers of this, of course, are Netanyahu and the Likud regime with their Greater Israel project. Uh, of course, they're in a coalition with even more crazy and dangerous religious right, utter Talmudist fanatics, pressing him to be even harsher against the Palestinians. So that's that's going on. And then the ordinary Israelis, including hundreds of thousands who a few weeks ago were prepared to go to war if necessary to stop Netanyahu doing what he was doing to their country, I think a lot of them have now been whipped into whipped into line. It's unnecessary to understand that the Israeli propaganda machine, we're not the only targets. Ordinary Jews are the targets of this as well. And of course, as you know, that people, they've got a paranoid streak in them. So I think it's particularly done the trick. You know, the whole world's out to get us and the, Palis the Palestinians will kill us all if we don't rally around Netanyahu. So it's worked. But no, no it's quite complicated. But it certainly goes, it, this isn't something that Netanyahu and his clique could have done. If there wasn't this deep, deep hatred of the others running through the religious teachings of the Jewish population. You know, it's it's harsh to say, but let's face it. You know, we've got Christian fundamentalist lunatics uh, who believe in the rapture and all and Christian Zionism, all this nonsense. They're mad and dangerous. The Muslims have got crackpots, Wahhabis and so on coming out of their ears. So why is it wrong or anti-Semitic to say that the Jews have got lots of religious crazes as well? Because they sure as hell have. Well, you know, uh, Nick, of course, it, it's easy to get away with a lot if you've got it. I, I can't remember who it was recently who was a guest on this program, but I asked. I mean, America's basically Israel's golem. You can do a lot when you've got the might of the United States behind you. Uh, and even though the might of the United States may be waning in terms of military prowess and uh, certainly in economic prowess, but uh, it's still a formidable. A foe to be able to call into any given war yeah. on your behalf for as long as it lasts. But, again, you were talking about this, and I agree. The narrative, they have lost the narrative. And I would ask you this just very quickly because there's so much I want to cover with you, and we're beginning to run out of time. But in terms of Israel losing the narrative, that is almost, that was something that a few years ago would have been unfathomable because of the stranglehold that they have on uh, media, especially in the Western nations, the fact that they could be losing it now, and a lot of that is due to social media, uh, but not entirely, uh, is, is, um, is global media, I mean, certainly it is portraying this differently than Western media, but, uh, but how, how much so? I think that their problem is, you think social media still is the crux of it, and especially the fact that uh, Elon Musk, not perfect by any means, but he has restored a measure of freedom of speech on yes. these issues to, to Twitter X, and that's hugely important. Uh, so we shouldn't under underestimate that. On top of that, you've also got, even within the controlled mainstream media, you've now got a whole generation, and they're now, they've worked their way up the long march through the institutions quite a long way. You've got a whole generation of over-educated, stupid, brainwashed, left-wing, um, Soros-style university kids who are now in middle management, and they're being much more critical, even within group organizations like the BBC and Sky and so on, they're being more critical of Israel than would have been the case perhaps 20 years ago. 
It's by you know, it's it's they're not telling the truth, but they're raising enough. They're showing enough pictures of Palestinian kids being dragged out of rubble and all the rest of it, and they're showing enough of that to really unnerve the public. And uh, it's a very interesting thing to see, and it's only going to get more so as this grinding, relentless ethnic cleansing operation goes ahead. And now for the sixty-four thousand dollar question: uh, What about Russia and Putin and China? Uh, Russia seems to, you know, Putin before was blaming those Anglo, evil Anglo-Saxons for the Nord Stream uh, pipeline sabotage and things like this. But is he losing? Is he going to drop the mask and come out against the Jews because of this? Well, I, I don't think he'll come out. I don't. I, don't, I still don't think he'll come out against the Jews fully. You know, uh, uh, this. I've read and seen and heard that there's a significant number of Russian Jews who all other Russians regard as good Russian citizens with a different religion. The same way, incidentally, they look at most of their Muslims. Uh, so I don't think he's not going to do that. But it's clearly in Russia's interest to uh, have good, better relationships with the Arab world and the third world and the third world and the Arab world in particular are exclusively and 100 percent against Israel on this, even Saudi Arabia you know, is now really getting quite tough on this. So it's a card which Putin certainly will play for geopolitical reasons. It's announced this week that uh, the Russians are very close to having a naval base in Libya. You know, that means that the, uh, they've moved from wow. not having any presence at all in the, in, in the Mediterranean to having a base on the far east of it and a base in the central south. So it's, it's not yet a Russian lake, it's like a, but like it's, not, a it's not an American lake anymore. Right. It's like a chess move. When America moved yes. that uh, air carrier f uh, fleet in, then uh, Putin brought in Russian ships and the Chinese brought in. And the Chinese. Uh, and that's really significant. War yes. Yeah. Right. You know, so, the, uh, the, Chi the Chinese the Navy hasn't America been. America was. It <laughs> Go ahead. You, you watch out. Yeah. The Chinese Navy hasn't been uh, an adventurous foreign policy thing since about the year 1400. So you know, this is an astounding thing. Uh, and what's even more remarkable, and it's something that Americans especially, I guess your, your listeners are aware of it, but it's really dangerous that we were talking about Pearl Harbor earlier on. The American fleet, which includes a British contingent and all the rest, they're sailing them over to the eastern edge of the Mediterranean. They're sailing them into the range of the ship killing missiles that the Iranians have in huge and very sophisticated numbers. And you've got that that fleet isn't there to project American power. That fleet is there to be obliterated at a moment's notice in order to drag Americans into a full scale war. It's All a right. really, really well, see, dangerous uh, America's, thing. Uh, America has aircraft carriers, which are the most vulnerable ships they could possibly yep. have. They're basically large fuel depots. Float, floating coffins. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, Nick, very quickly, because we're running out of uh, beginning to run out of time. But this, what you and Keith are talking about here, just uh, is, is provocative in so much as can you imagine a scenario in which Israel loses more than the narrative, which I think, to large degree, they've already lost, which was again, I think, uh, almost unimaginable just a few years ago. But here you have now players as uh, widespread as uh, Yemen and uh, even Turkey is sort of pushing back on this, uh, pushing back against yep. Israel. Now, those aren't major players necessarily, but what you mentioned with regards to China and Russia, those are, 
And uh, you've got the situation here in the United States entirely unprecedented. And you say, well, how is this uh, germane? Well, it's germane because the United States obviously plays such a presence in the Middle East at Israel's mm -hmm. behest with the, the Israel lobby controlling so many of our But you know, now the Chinese and the Russians are saying that if America, if you do put boots on the ground or if you uh, support Israel in an attack of Iran, the other shoe's going to fall. All right, but this is the point. This is the question. And that's, that's true, Keith. But the, the, the question, uh, to bring it to a point, is you got unprecedented situations unfolding in america uh, the situation with trump next year it's a presidential election year he's probably going to prison that is absolutely unprecedented and uh, you've got the situation with a very tenuous economy over here i think i read something this week where it's twenty dollars to get a big mac in connecticut now all wow. right that's not good and you've you've got uh, you've got um, the situation with china and taiwan and you've got you got all of this could israel lose more than the narrative that's the question i mean could this israel really, could lose more than they the lose america yep. support well, I don't think they'll lose American support, but America may well lose its capability to give that support, because if this doesn't explode into World War Three and get us all killed, it's going to drag on. And that means that the American debt problem, which was it reached the other the other day, a trillion dollars in interest payments yeah, and, and rocketing. It's utterly yeah, unsustainable. Yeah. And they try, one reason that the, the whole Zionist th push to get rid of the Palestinians now is because if they don't know it, do it now, they're going to lose the capacity to do it because the minute America is actually seriously, genuinely bankrupt, financially ruined, and everyone knows it's ruined, she can't afford, she can't then literally afford to project military power and Israel loses that huge umbrella. So they're in terrible trouble. They are going to lose. They're on the wrong side of history. The only question is whether they're going to introduce to, to use the Samson option and destroy the rest of the world while it happens. All right, that, that's the question. Yeah. That's the question with, with seconds remaining. Does this, it, it, does this balloon into a regional conflict or worse, your opinion? Uh, I think it's, go, it's going to balloon into a regional con conflict. It could very easily become Armageddon. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, what's the advice? With that for happy news will... <laughs> <laughs> we were out of time with that. No, but seriously, Nick, what, what's, what's for the people listening tonight? What should they be doing? Uh, pray. Get on social media and, <laughs> and, and take, take advantage of the fact there's millions of people. It's the great noticing. So throw yourself into loving your family, praying, but also the great noticing. And just don't be too harsh about it, but just throw facts. The USS Liberty, for instance, any American patriot who's equivocal or on the side of Israel, keep on hammering them with the USS Liberty, things like that. And let's win this war to wake up our people. Because once our people are awake, well, then it, all it, sorts it of problems can be solved. when I was a kid. That's right. Find Christ and keep the faith and keep the hope because, I mean, it, it is almost necessary in a way, Nick, because the status quo on that trajectory that has been the last 50 years, we have no future. Keith? Well, as they told me when I was a school child, we were having these nuclear uh, 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 fire drills. drills. Said, yeah. Get under your, yeah, right. G grab your ankles, bend over, and kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to be that bad. It's not going to be that bad. But you do need to get right with Christ. You do need to be part of a, of a, of a solution. You do need to be sober and vigilant. And, and, and again, as I say, Nick, I just think without a situation like this, without some sort of a crisis that shakes up the status quo, we were dead already. So let's see what happens here. And thank you for your leadership at Nick Griffin BU. Thank, thank you. Thank you for another hour of great radio. What a fantastic and, conversation. And James, we are not dead yet. We're not dead yet.
Good night to you. Thanks and very much. Until we are, we're going to fight on. We're going to do our duty. We'll fight on. Don't send us no flowers. We're not <laughs> No surrender. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. We will Good be night, back, everyone. Uh, God bless. Second hour. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Same God bless you. you. God bless you. We'll be right back.